This is Matt. I'm the lead pastor at Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. My prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, If we can connect you with a local church or discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at discoverwbc.com. in Acts 28, verses 17 through 31. And I was always uh, reflecting on, you know, really, how do you complete, finish, and like kind of wind up this sermon series? And I thought back through and I just said, okay, what were some of the transformative moments in my life? What are some of the things I saw throughout this series that really impacted me? And I want to just share a few of those things uh, with you. There are things that like when I read through the text, this kind of popped out and was just like, okay, this is what God is saying and this is how we can implement it into our church and into my personal life, into my family, and to those who my disciple. And I think one of those things that just like was a resounding truth, of course, the unstoppable God, unstoppable plan, unstoppable church is kind of the theme of Acts, in my opinion, um, is that God is continuing what happened from um, uh, Nazareth to uh, uh, Jerusalem, and now he's moving from Jerusalem to Rome, as we talked about last week. But as we've seen this whole story come to fruition, what I've seen is equipped disciples don't fear culture, they transform it. When we see people throughout Acts who have been equipped or who are on fire for Christ and spirit is in them and moving through them, we see that equipped disciples don't fear culture, they transform it. Oftentimes, fear drives us away from darkness. Fear drives us away from the wolves, those who might persecute us, those who might uh, come against us or try to shut us down or silence. Sometimes fear drives us away, but we don't have to because of uh, the truths that we've seen in Acts and what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives, we don't have to be afraid in the darkness because Christ came into the darkness. It is in the darkness where, we, where Christ found us, and it is in the darkness where Christ continues to reside in us. So if we're given the stage in the midst of darkness, let's stand for Christ. I don't know if you remember, but that was from a sermon, and it just kind of, uh, Paul's been on trial multiple times, and if you're like me, like as you were reading through Acts, you sort of saw similar stories over and over. But in your own life, don't you wake up every single day doing a very similar story, living a very similar life, going to a very similar job, workplace, friends, family? Things kind of become continual and similar, sometimes monotonous. Sometimes we feel like, are we just waking up every day, just wasting space and taking up air? as we've said before, but I think God has positioned you in the midst of darkness in a place in a specific time and area in this world where he can use you. And Paul specifically was standing on trial before Jews and Romans with the opportunity to defend himself or stand up for Christ. And he chose not to defend himself, but to preach Christ and him crucified. I think that's what the gospel does to us, and I believe that's the beauty of the gospel, that in the midst of our chaotic world and the darkness that we find ourselves in, Christ came and we rejected him for the things of this world, looking for salvation from our chaotic and dark world, but Christ still came for us in that chaos and darkness, died for us, and saved us. That's the gospel. What we accepted and wanted were the things of this world. What we rejected was the thing that could save us. It's unbelievable, but that is the good news, that despite our terrible decisions, Christ gave up his life for us. So we stand firm. 
we stand up, we preach Christ and Him crucified, knowing that we cannot stand firm in the midst of darkness in what we have not once stood weak in. Sometimes in your life, you've got to be weak in front of people in order to be in, to gain knowledge, to gain strength. Physically and intellectually, you have to first be willing to get around somebody who's smarter than you that sometimes may make you look like you don't know enough. Sometimes you got to get around people who know how to work out a little bit better or run a little bit farther or fish a little bit better. Y'all with me? Sometimes you got to look a little weak. Sometimes you got to know, not know what you're doing in order to learn what to do by putting people around you who are stronger than you. I think that's why in Scripture, Paul knows that in his weakness... He's made strong by Christ because though he is weak, Christ is with him. And when you got somebody who's with you that's stronger than you, you can trust that in the midst of darkness and chaos, you can be strong, you can stand firm, and you can stand up and preach Christ and him crucified. And in the in midst of all of it, in the midst of all that darkness and chaos, we can trust that we have an advocate in heaven for us. He's crying out, this is my son and daughter to the Father. That we, I, I like... Just picturing that mind, continually thinking through Acts, picturing in my mind the fact that Christ is with his Father saying, that is my son and daughter, that is our son and daughter whom I died for and we adopted. He's continually shouting that out to the Father over you. That's our advocate. That's what First John tells us. It's unbelievable. Um, seeing in the Acts the truth that from the beginning of Acts to the end, everyone who takes up their cross on earth will receive a crown for eternity, and everyone who takes up a crown on earth will experience the cross, the persecution, the death, the eternal separation from God, hell forever. For us, it's like it's this. It, it looks like this. If you take up a cross on earth, you'll receive a crown for eternity. If you take up a crown on earth, you'll receive a cross for eternity. That concept is lived out throughout Acts, and I just got to see it weekly through the stories and through Luke telling us what was happening in the first century church. I think it was that that kind of came to the, to the point, those culminations, those thoughts, the fears, and, and the faith over fear, and, and all of these things that came to the point where I was able to say, in every season, no matter what you're facing in your life, we can know that our strength comes from the Lord, and that equipped disciples don't fear culture, they transform it. Like, you have to go through the meat of Acts to get to the point where you come to Acts 28 and see Paul preaching the gospel in Rome. Because Paul's been equipped, Paul's been sent, the Spirit of God is working in him, he can go to Rome and preach the gospel. Equip disciples don't fear culture. They transform it. So as we walk away today, I hope that you'll remember we have an unstoppable God with an unstoppable plan working through an unstoppable church. Let's read Acts 28, 17 through 31. After three days, he called together the leaders of the Jews. When they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our ancestors, I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. After they examined me, they wanted to release me, since there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. Because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, even though I had no charge to bring against my people. For this reason, I have asked to see you and speak to you. In fact, it is for the hope of Israel that I'm wearing this chain. Then they said to him, We haven't received any letters about you from Judea. None of the brothers has come and reported or spoken anything evil about you. But we want to hear what your views are, since we know that people everywhere are speaking against this sect." 
After arranging a day with him, many came to him at his lodging. From dawn to dusk, he expounded and testified about the kingdom of God. He tried to persuade them about Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets. And some were persuaded by what he said, but others did not believe. So disagreeing among themselves, they began to leave after Paul made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your ancestors through the prophet Isaiah when he said, Go to these people and say, You will always be listening, but never understanding. And you will always be looking, but never perceiving. For the hearts of these people have grown callous. Their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. Paul stayed two whole years in his own rented house, and he welcomed all who visited him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. I want you to be able to walk away knowing three things from this text that culminate in this unstoppable God, and that is that we can be faithful in Rome, that we should preach unceasingly where we are, and we should be bold, confident, and sacrificial. Now, I don't know about you, I don't know if you're with me on this, but we've spent the past like months and 28 chapters going through this story, and really a lot of it, a bulk amount of it, has been about Paul, right? Saul transformed into Paul. Paul living out his life in faithfulness to God, moving from Jerusalem to to Rome and traveling all throughout the different areas. And when you get to this last chapter and this last passage, is anybody else in here with me on this? Like, you want to know what happens to Paul. It's like the the story ends short. Where was he headed? Spain, right? He wanted to go to Spain. He says it in the passages. He wants to go to Spain. Um, But also, who did he appeal to? Caesar. Like, for the past few chapters, we've been waiting for Paul to be in front of Caesar to, like, see what he would say in front of Caesar. I don't know about you, but, like, I want to see him in front of Nero. I want to see what he said, right? Like, I can't even imagine what that unbelievable exchange would have looked like, but we don't have any of that in Luke. We don't know what he said. We have an idea of what he would say because we saw what he said to the other ones, but we don't know exactly what he said to Caesar. We don't know where he went and where he traveled after this. Um, History says, tradition says that he was beheaded in Rome, before he got to Spain, but we don't exactly know what happened to Paul in his life. Because here's the thing, Paul's not the point of Acts. It's easy to get confused with chapters 9 through 28 being all about Paul and his journeys, and every now and then you have Peter and some other followers who come alongside him, journeying with him. But it looks like it's all about Paul, like you read tons of stories about Paul. But the truth is, Acts is not about Paul. It's the continuation of what Jesus Christ is doing through the early church. It's from Nazareth to Jerusalem, and then from Jerusalem to Rome. Here's the main point of what's happening in chapter 28. Luke wants you to know this. The gospel moved outside of Israel into Rome, and from there became the epicenter, which would reach all the nations. And God used Paul to do it. It's not that Paul preached the gospel. It's that the gospel was preached in Rome. You see, for our lives, we've got to ask the question, what does it look like for us to continue to fulfill Luke's writing in Acts? What does it look like for you to continue to go from where you are to where God has for you, to your Rome, to wherever God is leading you to go, not so that you would preach the gospel, but so that the gospel would be preached where you go? You see, God's story is not about how good we are or how well and eloquent we can preach. In fact, Paul wasn't that great of a preacher. He's a better writer. It's not about how eloquent you are, how good you are with your words. 
What it's about is, is the gospel moving forward? Is the kingdom of God advancing? That's why at the very end of chapter 28, it says that, that he was proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ while boldness and without hindrance. And note down, what's the, what's the frustration? Why do people not believe Paul? It's not the Gentiles that they know down at the end of uh, Acts. It's those who were supposed to be the people of God. And they reject Paul. Why? Because Paul says that those who are of God continue to reject God. And since they're of God, they're sitting here hearing, your ears are closed, your heart is closed off to the gospel. You're not listening to the gospel. And that's the one statement that he says that they get frustrated by is that for some reason Israel, the people of God, are not believing in Jesus Christ as the fulfilled Messiah who has come to save them from their sins, come to save them from Satan, and come to save them from death. They won't believe. And so as you hear that, you can see Luke writing into Acts this very story that the gospel moved outside of Israel because Israel was rejecting her Messiah. And so ultimately, it goes into Rome to spread throughout the nations to all the different churches. And we literally stand here today because the gospel message was not stopped. Because we have an unstoppable God with an unstoppable plan working through an unstoppable church. And an unstoppable church goes to Rome. And then it goes through the nations. And it goes to your hearts and in your ears. And it transforms your life. Be faithful in Rome. Go to Rome. Do what God has called you to do and fulfill where Acts leaves off. The early church did not cease to exist because God was not finished. And now today, we get to participate in the church moving forward. When we're in Rome, what do we do? Paul gives us a little bit of a model of this. Um, He preaches unceasingly. In fact, uh, one of the uh, readers I, I like to read and a preacher I like to listen to, his name's Tony Morita, He summarized it in some four statements. I think they're really good. It's from dawn to dusk, he preached. From cover to cover, he preached. From heart to heart, he preached. And from Jew to Gentile, he preached. Like that summarizes what what Paul is saying in this passage and what Luke delivers to us in this passage. And, And I think what it shows us is no matter what you're doing in your life consistently throughout your life, be consistent in what you are doing by preaching the gospel and living on mission. You get the opportunity to wake up every day, and if you do get to wake up, will you live that life? Will you live that day on mission? Will you be intentional with what you say to your children, to your spouse, to your family, to your friends, to your coworkers? Are you being intentional about bringing the gospel into conversations? Are you being intentional about how you care for one another and love each other? Paul had two years in a rented house to stay in Rome, in chains. And what did he do with it? He preached the gospel. He had people over to the house. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just like typical Paul, right? Like he can't roam around. He can't travel because he's in chains, stuck in a house in Rome. So what does he do? People travel to him. Whether he's going, whether he's in Jerusalem or Ephesus or Corinth or Rome in chains in a house, what does he do? He preaches the gospel. So whether you are at work or your house or your school or with your family or with your spouse or with your children, are you preaching the gospel? Be faithful, no matter where you are, to preach unceasingly. And finally, be bold, be confident, be sacrificial where you are. Be bold, man. It's it's not just a passive approach to life. Christianity is not a call to passivity. It's a call to being bold and confident and sacrificial in your life. So what we see in Paul's own life, he's a model for us. You know, has anybody ever been to Hashua? 
Yeah, it's a wonderful place. It's beautiful. I mean, it's just like a great place to take your family, take your kids there, go hiking there, go with your spouse there, get out in the open air, breathe some of God's good air, get some, soak up some vitamin D, you know. Get out there and experience God's good earth. And as you were traveling around that, there's a little playground over there. Y'all seen that playground? It's really nice. Uh, inside of it, y'all are real quiet today. Man, I, like... I've, did everybody forget their coffee this morning? I got my tea in. I feel, I'm feeling good. I hope y'all are feeling good. Hey, um, there's a, a uh, playground at Hoshua, and in it there's a, uh, this, this rock feature. It's, I don't think it's a real rock. It doesn't feel like it. It's kind of soft. Um, it doesn't break off, so I think it's fake. But anyways, it's probably about this tall. And my, every time my daughter sees it, she walks up to it and she's like, I'm gonna, Daddy, I'm going to climb up that thing and I'm going to jump off it into your arms. I'm like, okay, baby, let's go. So she starts to climb up it. And if y'all, if y'all are with me on this, when you're climbing up something, it doesn't look near as high as when you get to the top. When I work on these lights up here, I'm like, oh, it'll be fine. We'll just throw the ladder up there. And Pastor Glenn's been up ladders his whole life. He's real confident. He, and, and I remember one time, um, I don't have that kind of confidence, man. I'm, I'm way more afraid. But I remember one time I'm up there, like, moving around on him. And all of a sudden, Pastor Bill walks in that back door. And he just walks in. And he looks at me. He just turns around and walks out. <laughs> I'm like, he, he said later, he said, dude, I, all I wanted to do was be able to say, tell your wife that I wasn't there when you fell. <laughs> I was like, thanks, bro. Uh, appreciate it, man. No, I'm kidding. Um, but they, they did help me. They supported me, of course. Um, but anyways, when you're, when you're climbing up, it doesn't look near as high as when you get there, right? So my daughter climbs up on top of this rock, and every single time, she's wonderful. I love this little girl. But every time she gets up there, she, she then goes in this mode of like, ooh, now I can't jump off, right? Like she gets so afraid. So I'll put my hands up to her, and right here she's like, uh, I'm still not doing that. If I go a little bit higher, she gets like a little bit closer to maybe jumping off. It's only when I get like right up next to her when my hands are so close to her that she feels confident that I'm going to catch her, that she'll jump off. You see, sometimes when we're in those moments, we just need to know that the Father's around, right? I think we can have this confidence. I think that's why Paul goes and is bold and confident because he knows that the Spirit is in him, that the Father is with him. When we're going and we're preaching and we're in darkness and in the chaos of this world, we need to know that the Father is with us. We got to know that the Father is with us, or we're going to back down in fear, or we're going to fail. All these different situations. The one consistent thing we see throughout Paul's life is that he's confident that God is with him, and if God is with him, he'll go wherever he needs to go. I hope that you know that in your life, no matter what rock you're climbing, or no matter what city you're headed to, or no matter where you're preaching the gospel, you'll have the confidence that God is with you, that the Spirit is in you, moving through you. It's a transformation of your heart and of your life that others need to see and be put on display, but it takes a boldness and a confidence and a sacrifice to be able to do this. You look at Paul's life, man, like, you just think for a second about what Paul gave up. Paul was, before Damascus, in Acts 8, Paul was headed to the Sanhedrin. When you're talking about a plan for your life, he studied under the best, the smartest. He was headed to the best position, the best status in Israel. He had everything secured. When we talk about the American dream, he had like the Israel dream. Like he had it set. Where he was headed was good for his life and good for his future. But God had a different plan. The Sanhedrin looked so good for him, but on that road to Damascus, God changed his life blinded him from the path that he was headed on and took him on a different road 
took him to a different place, raised him up into a different status, not a status of authority and provision of finances, but a status of humility and trusting the Lord that where he would go, God would go with him. And that was enough. It's a radical transformation of everything in your life when you're able to say, God, all the plans I have, I'll give over to what you have for me. Paul gave up the Sanhedrin. And if you think about that in your mind, think about it like this. Paul gave up Jerusalem for Rome. And ultimately, he gave up his life for Christ. So from Nazareth and Bethlehem to Jerusalem, And from Jerusalem to Rome, we see a pattern of people being bold and confident and sacrificial. Will we continue the pattern that we see in Luke? I was faced with this decision in in 2017. In 2017, my family and I, we lived in Dallas, Texas. Um, Now, there's a lot of wonderful things about the South. Uh, I don't know about you, but I, uh, I love the South. When I think about the North, I always thought about cold weather and uh, a lot of different things that I won't mention uh, in the presence of y'all, you Northerners. Um, but I'm from the South, and I love the South. And uh, when I thought about places to live, uh, the North was, I didn't even know Maryland was a state at the time. Um, I still don't exactly know what D.C. is. The District of Columbia is a weird foreign thing to me. I'm still trying to figure out y'all's culture up here. Um, So in 2017, I would have had no idea in the world that the Lord would call me to Westminster, Maryland. But it was four years ago this month that the Lord called me to Maryland. I want to tell you a little bit about that story and what that background looks like, because I don't know if I've ever shared that with you as a group. You see, I had a plan, a a good plan. Like, I felt like it was smooth and set. Like, we were were confident in where we were. Like, that's why I'm telling you. I'm just trying to be honest with you. Like, uh, it was, it was, I was born in Dallas, raised in the South, in a, in, a, in a position where I was moving from student pastor to teaching and discipleship pastor. Everything looked just like perfect. Like that was a good role for me. It's really what I'm passionate about. I love these things. I love preaching and discipleship. Like it fit me just really, really well. This church fit me really, really well. They were already set and established. Like everything was um, already worked out. We had a full staff and admins and all these different things. Everything's smooth and perfect and worked out for my life. I have a plan before me. I'm working on my PhD. I got a child. We got a house. Everything's good. We're about to purchase our own house at this time. And my job was set. And everything was good. And the Lord intervened. I went to Honduras, spent some amazing time with some awesome students. It was the last trip I would take them on and lead them on before I transitioned into a new position at that same church. I took these students on this wonderful trip to Honduras. It was amazing. After that trip, like I'd just been on a mission trip. Now I'm going to California for my PhD. I traveled back and forth for the PhD. I'm studying in the books. I'm working at the church and trying to take care of my family. And I find out that I'm going to Tanzania. It's one of those things are like, hey, hey, you're going on this trip because you're going to lead on this trip, right? Like you're the pastor that's going to go on this trip to help lead it. So I'm like, okay, I'll go, right? Um, so I'm headed to Tanzania, and it's, uh, we got some pictures. You just throw up that uh, picture of the plane trip. Like, y'all, this is a whole different experience. Now, I've been to places across the world. Um, there's just differences in every single country you go to. One of those things is you can be blessed about about America is we have a lot of rules and regulations for our airplanes. Uh, they don't have a lot of rules and regulations for things uh, in different places. Like, so if you back up, go back to that uh, um, uh, plane for me. 
So that plane, that specific plane, you can literally see out of it. I'm not talking about out of a window, okay? I'm talking about you can see through gaps, right? Like you hear this propeller, there it is, prop plane. You can hear it buzzing beside you through the plane. It's unbelievable. But you just, you know, you just get on there, and like, I'm already afraid of flying. I fly 30 to 40 times a year, but I'm still afraid to fly. Like, I'm still like, man, we up in the high in this air. Like, this is not, whereas, you know, I want like one of those uh, parachutes on me every time I fly. But I'm, I'm up on this plane, like, whatever, Lord, whatever you have for us, that's Mount Kilimanjaro in the background. And I'm just trying to give you like a, a feel for what like I was experiencing on this trip. I'm literally, I'm not kidding. I'm reading like Ritter Boss's Paul, an outline of theology, which is like detailed out Greek, Hebrew, like all sorts of these like little details on this plane, like shaking with this prop beside me, looking down at the earth, trying to read for PhD work. <laughs> like it's just an unbelievable experience. Go to this next picture. This is the hotel we walk up to. Mara Paradise. There it is, baby. <laughs> I, I'm not kidding. You can't make this up. Mara Paradise. And I, it was awesome. Unbelievable. I mean, every bit of these experiences I love. If you're around me, like, I would just camp out. I'm totally cool with that. In fact, we have a trip uh, through Five Stone where you go and you camp out on this island. Um, really cool. They had another building that we uh, stayed at, which was um, a different experience. Uh, but uh, Okay, so this is uh, the church that we planted. This is one of the 18 churches we would plant that year. Um, and this is literally like when you're talking about three little pickies, this one's the one made out of sticks, y'all. The, I mean, like, not in like a negative way, but like what we have to understand as a church is like we build our churches up out of like, I think this is built out of cinder blocks and stuff, and it gets really comfortable. Like the temperature is fantastic in here. We got these nice little comfy uh, chairs. When you travel and when you go proclaim the gospel, it's not about whether you got a stick building or a cinder block building. What it's about is the church gathered together. Like if you're willing to, to build a church out of sticks and meet there after traveling for miles in heat, like that's the church, man. So it's in these kind of moments that we reflect back and we look back on those experiences. And I want, I'm just trying to share with you a little bit about what that, what that experience was like for me and, and walking through these different things. Because, again, I'd been to different countries, but this was a little bit different experience. And I want to show you some of the children that we were working with. Here's some of my friends. Um, I have them on Google Maps. Like, I have a little pin for everywhere that I traveled throughout Mara, the Mara region. Um, so that I can pray for them. And this little group right here was working on cassava plants. So what they were doing is they're shaving off the outside of the cassava so they could turn it into food or alcohol. And um, these, these children right here were just some of the children that we were able to kind of share the gospel with and work with in this area. Um, the next picture is what we traveled in. So these two vehicles, you have to have these types of vehicles to be able to travel through the Mara region because there's no, there's not roads. Like in our, uh, what you would think about in America, there's not roads. Um, and, but rather like, I'm not, I'm not joking by this. It felt like we were, have you ever watched like the Jeep Wranglers like going up those mountains with like the big bumps and stuff on them, like bouldering? Y'all ever seen that? That's what it felt like. Am I like in an awesome way? But I want you to, ta- I want to take you back to my experience, right? So here's what's happening. We got 20 people in each one of these things, 20 to 30 people in each one of these cars. I'm not joking. Like in the back, you just like, our work, like our, our crew was just like this. And again, I'm working on my PhD. So I got my book out like this. We're going up bumps like this. And I'm trying to read and focus on this thing. And all of a sudden, in the middle of all of this, 
God stops me. And I put on my headphones, I turned on some worship music, and in the middle of all that, God said, you are going through all of these different things without even listening to me. In, at night, I was staying up throughout the night to work on my PhD, and during the day, I was just simply going out and preaching the gospel, coming back, working on my PhD, going out and preaching the gospel, and in none of that would I just stop and listen to what God was telling me. And in that moment, there, I know it's just a song, but this song came on called So Will I by Hillsong, and in that song, it, it, God was moving and changing my heart from this steadfast plan that made sense, and that was good for my family, and that was good for us like to, to move forward with our family. Everything made sense with this. And in one moment, on one trip, God woke me up entirely and changed everything. I can remember walking around with Mark forehand, walking around Mara Paradise in circles for like hours, just walking around and talking and God just changing my heart and moving me away from what had seemed like it was right and good for my life and perfect and like the plan and like, like the dream, like this is it. And God was changing everything. I get back from this trip, and over the next few months, I get contacted by this little church in Westminster, Maryland. And for the first time, I come up here and eat at this restaurant with a group of guys and girls and talk to them about what it would look like for my family to move. And all within a year, all within like four months, I stopped my PhD to work here and shifted to a different doctorate. I had moved to Westminster, Maryland, which I literally had never heard of. I called it Westminster. Now that I look back on it, I'm sorry. I know I offended you. I didn't know at the time I was saying, I'm like, I am saying Westminster. But I was like, Westminster. <laughs> I couldn't help it. We lost a child. Man, our whole world flipped upside down with that. We moved houses twice. Moved into one house, then bought a house here moving houses twice. I got Lyme's disease. All of this swirling, changing, transitioning of my life. God came to me in Tanzania and changed my life. And it wasn't like, hey, I'm going to change your life and give you the everything in the American dream. It was, I'm going to change your life and I'm going to take you away from everything, <laughs> move you across the world. And, and don't get me wrong, look, I think Paul would be consistent with this, and I want to just be honest with you and raw with you in this too. Like, I love you. I love some of these people uh, up here in Carroll County have become the, be the best friends I've ever had in my life. I love this church. I love what we're doing here. I'm so excited about it. Uh, I've come to love Carroll County. I hate your weather. Uh, I think y'all are crazy for living here, but it's okay. Because you are here, we're here, and I'm okay with that. I'm good with that because God's called us here. And I'm not, I'm not telling you to live like me or to live like Paul or to live like Peter or to live like any of those things. I'm just telling you that we, you can see examples in their life that maybe we can implement in ours. And I'm going to ask you this question. Where are you headed in your life? And is it where God has called you to go? Because sometimes we get in the busyness of life just like I was in. Sometimes we get in the busyness of life and we're just walking through life. And sometimes we need to just put on the headphones and clear our minds out. Just stop and listen, God, where do you have me going? What do you want me to do? What do I need to drop down? Where do I need to be bold, confident, and sacrificial? Where do I need to preach the gospel and live out faithfully my life? 
What does that look like? Because y'all, I would have, I'm, I'm serious. I never would have imagined I lived in Maryland. Never in a million years. But I'm sure Paul never thought he was going to be in Rome. And I'm just wondering, where is God taking you? And look, I'm not, you're going to see on this sheet four different places, or technically three different places, Philly, Baltimore, and Haiti. Two trips to Haiti. I'm not asking you to go to one of those places if that's not where God's calling you. Here's what I'm asking you. Where is God calling you to go? I think there's some people in this room that maybe in two or three years, you're not in this church anymore. You've planted a church in Carroll County, or you're revitalizing a church in Carroll County, and we're helping you and sending you out. Maybe you're not even in this state anymore. Maybe you go out and you're a missionary in some other country, or maybe a missionary to some area in America itself. I don't know what God has for you, and I don't want to act like I do know what God has for you. All I want to know is what does God have for you? And once we find out that, our pastors, Pastor Glenn, myself, and Pastor Bill, all we want to do is fuel that. Where do you want to go, and how can we get you there? So maybe you do want to go with us to Baltimore. Let's go. Man, I love Baltimore. Literally, love Be More. I do. I love it. I love working there. It, man, if it's, your, if it's your Jerusalem or your Rome, if it's where you're going to you know, lay your foundations, go. Or maybe you need to go to Haiti with us. Like, come on. But whatever you're doing, just make sure you're not going to Damascus to kill Christians. Because that's where Paul was headed. Just make sure you're going where God has for you. Even when it's more difficult to go where God has for you, I'd rather take up a cross on earth and get a crown for eternity than a crown on earth and get a cross for eternity. Let's figure out where God has for us. And let's go, church. Let's run with it. Because we have an unstoppable God with an unstoppable plan working through an unstoppable church. And if you'll join me, we can be part of that unstoppable church that God uses in his plan. I got three ways that you can partake in this, and the band's going to come forward and lead us in song. Those three ways are to pray, send, and go. Pray for those who are going. Look, I understand. Some, sometimes we just get, like, physically or time-wise, like, you just can't. Like, it's impossible to go. It's not impossible to pray. Can you pray for our teams that are going locally, globally, and throughout the week? Man, can you pray for those who are preaching the gospel every single day throughout the city? Will you pray with us? Second, can, will you send with us? And look, sending is different than just giving. Sending is about training and resourcing. Maybe you find, do identify a ministry, like a local ministry or a global ministry, or a person in this church who wants to go to Philly, can't afford it, wants to go to Haiti, can't afford it, or wants to go to some other nation to be a missionary and can't afford it. Maybe you want to go plant a church in the Mara region of Tanzania, and you're okay with traveling through and walking through in the heat, and we'll build a church out of sticks or cement or sand or whatever you have, you're willing to do it. Wherever you're willing to go, maybe somebody, maybe somebody in here just needs to give so that you can go. Maybe you just need to give so somebody else can go. I told a couple today, and I truly believe this, giving is about a kingdom effort, not a Westminster Baptist effort. You give to where God has you giving. You go to where God has you going whether that's here or somewhere else. And the final is go. Where does God have you going? Maybe you need to pray. Maybe you need to send. Maybe you need to go. Wherever you want to go, we want to help you go. Will you commit to go with us, though? Like, if you can, if you're able-bodied and you feel like, man, I'm not going anywhere, I just need to go somewhere, will you commit to go with us? Today is the last day to sign up to go to Baltimore. 
but it's not the last day to sign up to Haiti, go to Haiti. Pastor Gillen's leading a trip in September. I'm leading a trip in August with young adults. Um, sign up and go. Connect with us and go. And let's run in the midst of darkness and light it up. Because there's a chaotic world out there, a broken and hurting world. And if Jesus ran into it with the gospel, so should we. Y'all ready? Come on, church. Y'all ready? Let's go. Let me pray for you. God, you are the one who sent your son to live a life we couldn't live, die a death we couldn't die, raised from the dead because we couldn't. And so, Father, we believe that your son was sent so that we might have freedom and forgiveness in this life, that died on the cross so that we might have freedom and forgiveness. And I pray, God, if there's anybody in this room who has not believed this message, you would work in their hearts to convict them of the sin that is in their heart, but also compel them to live a different life because of your grace and restoration. I pray, God, that you would show us anew today how you created us to be good and great and perfect in this world, and that you did not create us for the sin and the travesty that we face around us. So, Father, I pray that you would restore us, renew our hearts. And if you're calling anybody in this room to do something outside of their comfortability and what they're confident in doing, God, that you would show them that you are close. You are the Father who's working through the Spirit to give us the confidence that we need to take a leap of faith. So, Father, be near. Be with us. Give us what we need to accomplish what you have for us. We love you and praise you in your son's name. Amen. Let's stand together and worship one more time this morning.
church you're sending the midst of darkness to light it up hey is the next step yeah on the back of, or on the bottom of those papers that i gave out to you there's just a little spot that you can tear off um just if you'll put down where you want to go and your contact information we're going to get in contact with you to connect you with an opportunity to serve here at wbc or locally or globally wherever you want to go and hey if it's not on one of those four just put in there i mean maybe you say like i just really want to go and be a missionary here or i want to plant a church here and put your contact information, and we'll connect with you in some way uh, to help you go and do what God has called you to do. But if you do want to go to one of those four opportunities, I just will note down again, today's the last day to sign up for Baltimore. Um, and uh, the 280 opportunities are coming up for their last days as well. So, um, man, we hope that you'll go with us. But wherever you go, we want to help you go. All right, we love y'all. I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next week.
you have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey.